0: or august 4th 2014 it's the overthinking It podcast episode 318 the awe is in the awesome mix welcome to the overthinking It podcast where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve in la i'm matt rather and in boston that's pete fenzel hey pete
1: Hello, Matthew. <laughs> by the way, I'm going by Star-Lord now instead of Pink so everybody can call me Star-Lord, okay. unless that's taken.
0: Is that, what, <laughs> is that what your mom used to call you?
1: Oh, oh, you're, you're so unsentimental. You're so shamelessly unsentimental.
0: <laughs> um. Sort of, I guess the the uh, I we're we're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy, which which we have both seen. So it's a banner it's a banner podcast when one hundred percent of the panel has seen the the movie in question, um, and
1: fifty percent of it thinks it was awesome and wonderful and spectacular and amazing.
0: I thought it was I thought it was good. Also, <laughs> I really liked I really liked it. I'm not sure I would go. I'm not sure I would, I would go that far I, I, I sort of wonder I want to I talk about that a little bit Because everyone seems to be um, Like peeing their pants with excitement over, over this movie And I thought it was very good you know like uh, uh, but but my pants were dry. I was not right. pants wettingly excited
1: my, my neck was wet with my own tears by the time this movie was over
0: <laughs> do you cry off the back of your head or something like yeah. that <laughs> no, in front of my neck <laughs> no, but don 't they drip off your chin or something like it would take a copious volume of tears to adhere to your face, turn the corner on your chin, and uh, you know move horizontally across the. The bottom of your jaw and then to, to wet your – It would
1: have to be head. a very remarkable movie to, for that to <laughs> <laughs> The um, –
0: uh, OK, the movie, um, the movie, The Juggalos. We also want to talk about uh, The Gathering of the Juggalos a little bit. But first, Pete, uh, I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you've heard this news uh, that I'm about to drop uh on you but what? i'm, I'm <laughs> no i've heard
1: no news i've been in the mountains of new hampshire except for seeing guardians of the galaxy this weekend so
0: <laughs> do they not have a uh, like a screening outside on the side of the mountain in new hampshire or something
1: no, it's a wind farm now. Everyone's really protesting really hard. There's a lot of anti-alternative energy sentiment in New Hampshire, which is really hilarious. There were a lot of like pun-filled signs about how people hated wind projects and, and hydroelectric power projects. So I, I've been constantly amused by that and also just the not very good puns. Right, I'm not a fan – when, like literally, that was a sign on someone's lawn. But no, no, there was no, there was no defacing of of uh, the great natural, the natural wonders of our uh, rocky, you know, New England uh, key up there by the face of Chris Pratt or the uncredited CGI face of Josh Brolin. So I had to see it as soon as I came back to Boston and before this podcast. Nice. So. Yep.
0: Um, well, uh, we're going to talk about that. But, but here's the news, Pete. This is the, the news. Uh, Ibiza, Ibiza, I should say. Yes. Ibiza is a hotbed uh, of celebrity activity. What? Yes. Would you believe <laughs> that I am informed by Google News Entertainment and Celebrity section that not only did Orlando Bloom throw a punch at Justin Bieber... Uh, in Ibiza, Ibiza.
1: Ibiza, Be- Spain. Ibiza, Spain, right?
0: Sp- España.
1: España, okay. <laughs>
0: um, because uh, for a long, complicated set of reasons that are not interesting, uh, not only that, but I am informed by Google News, um, alongside alongside several other trivial news items, I am informed that... Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton are friends again uh, after they met up at designer Ricardo Tisci's uh, Tish, uh, 40th birthday party in Ibiza late last week. So they've, I know you reconciled. were. I know they've you were reconciled. worried.
1: Yes. Uh, I was on the Hiltonites. We we swore a blood oath against the Kardashianis, oh. uh, which are we were fighting in the Apennine Mountains, <laughs> slightly east of Spain for years, bitterly over this blood feud and vendetta between our two clans. But I am glad to hear that some some <laughs> reconciliation might be possible on God's green earth.
0: And now I, now I can say also that I was of the Kardashiani clan. My family, yes. for time immemorial, has belonged to it. And Pete, your and my friendship has been a forbidden friendship.
1: Yes, that's why we record this over Skype. Because were we in person, we would have to take each other's lives with (laughs) ceremonial curved knives with pearl handles and Hello Kitty labels on them, Uh, (laughs) scented with the fragrance sponsored by our, uh, our clan, Demiurge. Is that even a word? It sounds right. I don't know. I'm going to look it up while you talk.
0: And we would have to, with our Hello Kitty uh, hilted blades, we would have to shout Kawaii <laughs> as we stabbed at one another uh, in a uh, ritual dance uh, of death in, in the arena. Good thing we do it. On Skype, so I guess our question. By,
1: by the way, demiurge turns out to be a far more appropriate term for what I was talking about than I even imagined. So that's excellent. <laughs> that, that Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton are in fact very close to demiurges. They are uh, a Platonic subordinate deity who fashions the sensible world in the light of eternal ideas, and/or a Gnostic subordinate deity who is the creator of the material world, an autonomous creative force or decisive power. Uh, if there's a better word for what makes Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton the same as and different from each other, I don't know what it is.
0: It's uh, you know, like uh, like Kanye says it on Yeezus, you know, I am a god. Hurry up with my damn croissants. <laughs>
1: <laughs> croissants right. take time, Kanye. Croissants take time.
0: Right. You want to? You, you want these croissants? Maybe. I mean, I can just serve you dough if you want. I can yes. take them out of the oven right now, and they'll just be uncooked. You know, wet dough. Is that what you want? Is that what you want to eat? Is that what you want to feed the little north? Um. So. So I guess our question uh, for this week is: What other celebrity fueled uh, revelations? Uh, can, are possible this week, only, <laughs> only in Ibiza. What, what other um, world-shattering events, uh, epoch-making happenings can only transpire on uh, the Spanish island of Ibiza? Uh, Pete, you're first in the alphabet. You can, uh, you can go. What do you think it's going to be? Well,
1: gonna- I heard tell. Now, and it has not been confirmed, but I heard tell that in Ibiza a mere 20 minutes ago, New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees attempted to throw a beer to Hollywood star Brad Pitt in Ibiza. That Brad Pitt did not acknowledge or recognize the throw, was struck in the head by the beer and fell off of a balcony uh, into the rocky shoals below and has vanished, consumed by the sea. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember, This is everyone is shocked, everyone is horrified that Brad Pitt departed the world, or at least departed the consciousness. We might show up on the Isle of Monte Cristo to plan his revenge against Drew Brees, but we all remember the great beer tossing of 2014, right, Matt? Oh, yes. How yes, could, of
0: course. How lest we forget.
1: And here, here Drew Brees is. So as we remember, right, on opposite balconies across the street in New Orleans, Brad megastar Former Jennifer Aniston boyfriend Brad, Brad Pitt threw a beer to uh, former Kate Hudson leaning against in a movie poster guy Matthew McConaughey, right? They threw a beer. He threw a beer to him like he was just friends. And Drew Brees, perhaps the best thrower in a nigh 300, 500,000-mile radius who was right there with Matthew McConaughey, neither received nor, nor delivered a said beer. And here he is attempting to make that connection, to create some symmetry. Right? To prove the flat circle of time, as his dear friend McConaughey would explain to him in their late night talks. Uh chucking a a a, a just a just a, a vividly just just a hoppy Tasty, you know, aromatic, hefty, cool. I'm not sure whether it was a silver bullet or something more crafty. Maybe it was a six point. I think it was a six point, knowing Drew Brees because he throws touchdowns, right? Probably a six point uh, crisp, uh, you know, something along those lines. Something artisanal, right? Only something artisanal could slay the pit. Uh, and, and Brad Pitt, of course, yeah, as all lives that are lived fast in Ibiza, uh, they end uh, quickly. You know, because it's a dangerous place.
0: Live fast, die young Brad Pitt. Do it well. Live fast. <laughs> Uh
1: You're so fancy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I am. Um, uh, this John- didn't, didn't actually happen, by the way. Didn't happen. Is <laughs> I um, Yeah. I don't know. I want to go dark on this one. I think that that John Voight and Penelope Cruz are reconciled over their differing political opinions uh, as regards current conflicts in the Middle East. I I Wait,
1: they they have different John Voight and Penelope Cruz are on opposite sides. I can't of, believe that. I, know this. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering, I was going to go Middle East but decided not to. It is a bold choice for you to go Middle East on this one. Yeah,
0: it's terrible, especially especially since I'm the guy, who's like, oh god, let's not talk about current events on the yeah. podcast. But I'm not. I'm talking about celebrities making a lot of noise with the celebrity machine about about current events, which is uh uh, which is horrible you know to the extent that the, that the political and military conflicts that they are talking about are horrible, right The idea that, that I should know john Voigt 's opinion about anything is is really offensive to me, it just leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth. Excuse me, I need a, uh, a little sip of my trader joe 's box wine in order to um, wash the taste of John Voigt out of my mouth.
1: There is one thing that I'm totally willing to hear John Voigt's opinion on. And you know what it is, Matt? What
0: is it? Anacondas. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, I just want to revisit that last comment that I made. I realize now that it could sound a little off color. Uh, I meant it metaphorically uh, about the taste of John Voigt. Um, So, listen, uh, I I think that Ibiza is ushering in a new era of of world peace and understanding. Uh, We are going to beat our swords into plowshares the world over. Um, You know, uh, we're going to sit down at a a great table of peace like uh, the human family that we are. Uh, And it's all thanks to uh, Kim Kardashian and Paris Hilton rekindling their friendship. Uh, in Ibiza.
1: I wanted to hear more about what Penelope Cruz or John Voigt said. Uh, Who was on what side?
0: Uh, so so uh, here's the beef. All right. I, I brought this on myself. Yeah. Uh, everyone email Pete if you're upset about this. Yes. Uh, <laughs> please don't email me. Um, the uh, uh, Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz were among uh, uh, a group that signed a letter. Uh, having to do with the the current conflict in Gaza uh, and Israel. And it was published in a uh it was published in a Spanish newspaper and John Voigt called them out because uh his opinion differs from theirs uh about the political issues um at play. And and uh yeah, the less um right, the less substantive the less substantive we are, the better, right? Because that's uh the celebrity culture we we live in.
1: Are we sure that John Voigt wasn't just reading the newspaper really loudly because he's
0: <laughs> old? <laughs> Uh and, and uh called them irresponsible and, and uh created a public um uh created sort of a public scene. Uh of course I, I didn't see it reported anywhere outside of the gossip pages, right? And
1: which is different from the gossip pages.
0: <laughs> which we which we know is really if there That's, is yes. a delicate <laughs> uh historically fraught um you know uh tragic Conflict involving loss of life, right? Where where should we go? But Perez Hilton dot com, yep. uh, but TMZ dot com uh, to learn, you know, what are undoubtedly nuanced, uh, historically informed, and extraordinarily humane and sensitive uh, opinions about about the conflict.
1: I heard that shortly after this happened, uh, Angelina Jolie spoke before the United Nations saying. Dad, you're embarrassing me!
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I'm sure that J- Jimmy Fallon probably made that joke earlier this week. <laughs> Somebody probably did.
0: You can find it on YouTube. You can leave, yeah. uh, you can leave that in, in the comments. But my point is, we don't need to worry about John Voight anymore because he's been to Ibiza. Uh, and, you know, the the EDM has cured him. Uh, right through just dancing till dawn uh to the to the beat
1: yes uh, you know what much love is found in the broad embrace of mr worldwide uh <laughs> bringing love from miami to ibiza ibiza to tokyo to london to all places on earth um and his the warm touch of his white dinner jacket and the bristle of his nightclub-y mustache. um are you not a pitbull joke fan? Is that not I, I think no you
0: went you went over my head I'm afraid. Oh,
1: okay, 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 fair enough. I'm sure that our listeners are full of pitbull fans. There's just oodles and gobs of pitbull fans listening who are just loving that joke. But for everyone else, uh just sort of let it go.
0: It'll, Actually it'll- for for serious, if everyone wants a uh if anyone wants a good uh Ibiza themed movie, there's a movie called uh, It's All Gone Pete tong which is uh about a, uh, a DJ on Ibiza uh, who goes deaf, and uh, is is um, a Canadian movie, and it's a, it's apparently like uh, it's apparently very very good. I I don't remember a lot about it. I thought I saw it when it when it came out, but um, all I remember is the title and the the plot now.
1: Uh, but I'm is it, a- is it a shot for shot remake of Immortal Beloved, starring uh, Gary Oldman as Beethoven? <laughs>
0: I'm going to go with yes on yes. the answer Good. to that. On the answer to that question, um, yeah. Let's uh, let's link that up in the show notes. Um, hey, uh, there's a party of a different sort uh, going on in North America. It's been the gathering of the Juggalos. Now we've talked about jugglos um, before uh, on the Overthinking It podcast, so we don't want to we don't want to rehash it. But uh, there is a great someone this year cut together. Uh, a video called march of the juggalos mashing up footage from the gathering of the juggalos with narration from march of the penguins by by morgan freeman we're gonna we're gonna uh link that up it is uh not safe for work because it has um it has topless nudity in it. yeah
1: i'm, I'm sure it'll get pulled down at some point youtube doesn't generally allow such things yeah. even from juggalettes Hmm. So, even in circumstances you know like where psychopathic records is a slightly more permissive sort of creative environment than some, uh, it still is not permitted you know the, though they might brave the buzz saws and screaming throngs of the dark carnival uh, they they may, they shall not so easily traverse the YouTube terms of service right so uh, we, we shall uh, we shall see the fate of that video, although it 's lovely. I think it's a lovely video. Um, I mean, what did you? I mean, what do you think about it? I think it sort of spoke to this sort of the universality of the search for connection, right? And the, and the, I mean, there's a there there is a dis, there's a degree to which it appears there might have been an intention of kind of belittling the uh, the juggalos as they kind of oh, seek out Oh, you
0: <laughs> <But> think I- <laughs> you think there was like a pathetic uh, you know sort of uh, comparison intended uh, with uh, with uh, Juggalos, I don't know. Oh, I'm,
1: I'm looking to look up "pathetic" and see if it uh, if it fits the circumstances as well as "demiurge" fit the last
0: circumstance. <laughs> it's uh, my my understanding, and I'm I'm gonna put my neck on the line here. Tell me if I'm wrong. Is that it involves a uh, a drop from sort of high to low? It involves a, a sort of ironic uh ironic pulling the rug out uh from pretension it's a way of it's a way of it's a method of revealing uh pretension by dropping from dropping suddenly from a high to a low mode of discourse or explo- yes, yes, exploiting yes. the disjunction am i right yeah you're
1: correct you're 100 percent correct uh-huh. bathos as opposed to pathos right
0: yeah that's yeah you always yeah. have to say pathetic with a b as in in the yeah. bath ever yep. pertaining to Agamemnon's slaughter by Clytemnestra.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's an interesting to think thinking about bathos and thinking about the pathetic is an interesting way to transition into our main topic if we want to.
0: I suppose.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
0: That that uh, I mean, it's a kind of a hackneyed. It's it's sort of a hackneyed uh, technique, right? Like in constructing sort of movie sequences. Let's call it the Urkel maneuver, right? Like there is some sort of extraordinarily uh, sensational thing that happens, right? And then uh, suddenly the character looks up at the camera and goes, "Did I do that?" Uh, right, 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 exactly,
1: uh, and what it's supposed to do is it's supposed to sap a serious moment of its effect, right it's supposed to be something that lessens or neutralizes the effect of the serious moment right is Is that generally what it's supposed to do? It sort of drops off and makes light of it or or robs it of its
0: significance yeah, or or sort of highlights highlight i mean i I think of it more as a character defining. Uh, technique right that th- it has to do with either the oblivious nature or else just the cool the uh, you know impenetrable cool of a particular character um, mm-hmm. when they are so unaffected by the obviously sensational goings-on around them you know that they don't uh, that they can't um, they can't be bothered to really get exercised about it
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. the uh, looking at the wikipedia for bathos right now and it's it 's talking about uh, what if, if Bethos is overt, it may be described as burlesque or mock heroic right and I guess what 's interesting what this raises then is uh, you know mock heroic mock heroic mock epic, these kinds of genres when you look at how they uh, kind of emerge from the tradition, there is i think somewhat of a sense that they are they are less than. Right to a degree, I don't know. I mean, whereas uh, you take something like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is very much mock heroic, I feel like there's tons of bathos in, Gar- in Guardians of the Galaxy. There's all these moments. I think one of the big moments of bathos. There's tons and tons of them, mostly delivered by Rocket Raccoon and Star Lord. But the one where Rocket Raccoon is like, "We're all standing in a circle, right? Like, look at us. We're all standing up now in a circle. Are you happy with that?" <laughs> right like, when he's when when they've made the big symbolic like rising from their chair to commit themselves to die for the uh for for the uh the the battle for the infinity stone right and it's like look at us standing in a circle <laughs> that that's a great example of what you're talking about i think right where it sort of like cre- makes it ludicrous right um but i, I don't think i think it, in this case in, in a world where the heroic is so saturated with overuse and with noise
0: in a uh, world where the heroic is so saturated with overuse and with noise
1: yes uh, can one hero who's also funny strike a, a meaningful and authentic chord with an audience craving human connection right like um something along those lines this
0: summer watch him accompany his actions with a witty tagline exactly
1: i am
0: groot isn't <laughs> that's actually a good point groot was the character i felt most connected to yeah just, just the-
1: sing right <laughs> sorry go ahead go ahead i interrupted
0: uh throughout the throughout the film right like this this like um look it, it was like there there were a lot of there was a lot of stuff that was uh that was a little bit Schematic for I think me. It's
1: spoilers, right? Spoilers, of course. Yeah, Did yeah. From
0: this, right? Sure. Yeah. From the, from this point, there is a talking tree, and all he says is, "I am Groot."
1: Yes, uh, <laughs> it's by Vin Diesel. The Iron Giant returns. One of the great voice actors of taciturn animated characters.
0: And this, I mean, this movie is like is apparently sc- cleaning up. I know. I always take Matt to task for sort of reporting on the the, the horse race of movies. Rather, I mean, by Matt, I mean Balinky, uh for reporting on the horse race of movies rather than the. the the, you know, substantive content uh, of movies because, you know, they are like things other than securities. I mean, securities are, you know, notionally meant to like. Uh uh, contain some like informational content about the value of the companies that that issued them, but but never mind. Um, it's not just a horse race between like uh, you know Guardians of the Galaxy and Lucy, Lucy or Transformers or something like that. Uh, these things are also you know cultural artifacts that we like to to comment on. That said, uh, horse race wise, apparently Ga- Guardians of the Galaxy is is cleaning up better than than. Um, Anyone uh, better than anyone expected. And uh, which
1: is, by the way, can I just say, this is like the fourth. Vin Diesel movie That has cleaned up At the box office Better than anyone Could have possibly imagined Over, I wrote an article About this When Fast and Furious The fourth Fast and the Furious Movie came out And broke the record For May openings Or, or March Or something like that Right uh, And they were like Wow well, How did it do this No one thought This movie would be successful It's because Vin Diesel's in the movie and Vin Diesel is awesome No that's not no the one, only reason No
0: one saw him coming Because he's too big And hulking And it obscures Your yeah. entire field yeah. of vision
1: <laughs> Yes exactly <laughs> That's, that's no no one saw no one saw Groot dominating the box office charts because groot the the box office charts were nailed to groot right <laughs> and groot was the he was not the paper but the tree the paper was made from um but yeah, but you connected with Groot the most. I think Groot was a really, really interesting character in a lot of ways, right? Like, um, I thought, like Groot, like I, I, I went off. Like, I just, I just like I saw this movie with a guy that I uh, directed improv comedy, right? And we were just, and he's a big enthusiast for the Guardian. He, saw, he read a bunch of the Guardian, of the Galaxy comic books to prepare for this movie, and so he was filling me in on some of the lore and background of some of the characters, the significance of the of the Cosmic Dog, like the Cosmonaut Dog, right? Is like a, a really major, uh, an interesting Marvel character who perhaps will appear in the future in other circumstances. Mm-hmm. But um but just like pouring out to him like there are so there there's a there is a former way there was a former way of looking at superheroes in the movie culture in particular that has been more or less dispensed with at this point in any superhero movies that are any good. And and the moment that for me really Really condenses and crystallizes this way of looking at superhero movies. Is in the first X Men movie, when uh, Wolverine and they all get decked out, right, in the black, uh, in the black, like sort of padded latex outfits or vinyl or whatever it is they wear for their assault on the Statue of Liberty in that movie. Uh, Wolverine, I think, says something like, What were you expecting? Yellow spandex, right? And this is a joke about how the X-Men's default uniforms are, like, too silly uh, to actually have a real person wear them, as opposed to this, like, you know, padded, uh, codpiece, latex, you know, like, vinyl yeah. bodysuits that they're all wearing for their assault on the Statue of Liberty. It's like, okay, I'm willing to buy the guy with the claws and the adamantium skeleton, but I'm not willing to buy that he wears yellow, right? And and at the time, it made perfect sense, right? At the time, it was like, well, superhero movies that try to hew to the style of the comics to closely get really goofy and really bad there's like the old captain america the old spider-man movie uh it all just seems really you know part of it is is production value improvements in shooting improvements in cgi you know improvements in materials and costuming right like you can actually make a better captain america costume now and you can make it look better in motion than you could back when you know that movie was made or movies before it but this is the this is the sentiment of like should we put nipples on the bat suit or not Right? Which is like, you know, the question of like, how do we make Batman sexy and current? Right? And it's like, well, look at Groot, right? Like look at Groot in this movie there's a scene where one of the characters in this movie like like kneels down and grows a flower from his hand that he gives to a little girl right mm-hmm. and this is a scene that has no bearing on anything that happens in the movie. It is entirely a like it's a foreshadowing that's, that a character development scene that is used in the later payoff of the movie when Groot, you know when Groot thickets everyone before the spaceship crashes it's like just about character development, but it is a, it is such a such a cheesy. Comic booky, sentimental, shameless, uncool thing for a character to do right? Like, it's just, like, so corny, right? Like, but at the same time, in this movie, it was sweet and sincere and lovely, and I totally connected with it, and there was just a wonder in, in Groot's sort of generative spirit, in the growth that emerges from Groot, right? As, and this is a growth that throughout the movie is set in tension against the losses that people experience, the death of the mother, right? If the, if the movie is really about, kind of, like, what can we take from the previous generation, and what must we leave behind? Uh, you know, what Continues to grow when a generation dies, Uh, which is also what Dragon Ball Z is about, by the way. Which is one of the other reasons I love this movie and I love Dragon Ball Z, but um, because it's an interesting question. I think it's what the Tempest is about, also, right? Um, This is sort of like uh, Grud is kind of a Prospero figure. Uh, except he never burns his books. He's kind of a post-Prospero figure who decides that he's more okay with his circumstances vis-a-vis the future than Prospero ever was going to be. Yeah, I mean, it's um, a,
0: there's a lot of people who are who are sort of struggling with their legacy, right? Or like struggling yeah. with uh, the the aftermath. Um, of their of their <laughs> sort of creation story right yeah. to a certain to a certain extent and and it 's remarkable how much how many of those are sort of manipulated right the sort of genetically engineered uh, you know uh blue and green ladies um, right are 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 meant to represent kind of like a perversion of natural development right of of being sort of engineered and 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 also kind of conditioned right um to be fighting machines you know
1: yeah, I saw them as sort of like mythical beings like they're not entirely they don't they aren't given the permission to be entirely quote unquote human right they are they are sort of non they're like, they only get to be half of a character and the, and the Zoe Saldana character like, wants to be a full character, and that's why she goes rogue, is that she, she wants to have agency of the sort that gods don't have, right? Like, like, the whole Thanos drama, the whole high opera of Thanos is very related to I think to Shakespeare, but also to much older things, where it's like, and this person's sister was in a blood feud with her sister, and they met in the cosmos, right? And the, and the tears became the stones or whatever, like it's those kinds of mythological stories are the ones that are associated with the the immortals and the mad titan, right? And his marriage with death and, and all that stuff that you might potentially know from the lore. Um, that they 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 have been put in this place where they don't get to be their own people. They don't get to be human beings. You know, everybody's a human being, right? But they don't—they don't get to be whatever monsters they are going to be, and appreciate like the joys in life that are represented in this movie, and the music and the dancing, right? Uh, peoples is peoples, like from *The Muppets Take Manhattan*, right? No, it's Thanos. <laughs> no, it's Infinity Stones. Is music? Is dancing? Is footloose? People's is people's, right? Like that's that's what the story that like if you want to if you want to find a monologue in film that explains this movie, uh, it's yeah, it's people's is people's, no, it's Thanos, right? It's like uh, it, it from the from the Muppets take Manhattan when when uh, Kermit the Frog is coming to terms with poverty and living in poverty in New York City, and he, he is reassured that the hardships of the world, you know, are uh, are not are not to really are not to get our spirits down for the buildings of the city are not people and we are people and we enjoy things right and that is one of our chief virtues and chief reasons for for existing um
0: Okay, let yeah. me let me try to poop on this movie a little bit, just just to yeah. just yeah. not really. I, like, I liked it. I thought it was a very good movie. Um, I, I'm not sure I I felt as rapturously about it as as a lot of the a lot of the things I read and a lot of the people I talk to seem to feel about it. I, I mean, I think I I honestly like I read a lot. All of you, all of you people in your raptures, um, I I read a lot of your rapture as a sense of relief, right? That like. Um, that it wasn't that it wasn't awful, you know. Uh, and and uh, though honestly, Marvel's had a pretty good batting average with with. Uh, I, I mean, I can't think of a, of a complete stinker, right? Among the the Marvel movies, there have been high uh, points and high points and, and low points. What you I have
1: mean, X Men Origins Wolverine? But that was a long time ago.
0: Oh sure, I'm thinking yeah. of the I'm thinking of oh the,
1: of the Marvel Studios ones. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. not the. I mean, not the other not the other properties, right? Like is, is the X-Men are the F, X-Men movies even been made by Disney. No, no, they're made by Fox. Right. And Sony has Sony has Spider-Man and these are old licensing deals. And so they have the, they have the, like the Avengers characters and continuity, you know, in, uh, uh, in Marvel studios, um, and sort of, uh, the Disney making these Disney making these movies. Actually, one of the, one of the things that surprised me, um, about this was the trailer for into the woods uh that preceded that preceded the screening did did you get into the woods as well
1: no i did not get into the woods i don't remember what trailer i got before Uh. the movie i was so excited to see the movie i also might have shown up too late for the trailers it's possible i was getting coffee i went to a very nice movie theater in in arlington massachusetts the Capitol theater which has ice local ice cream and coffee and all sorts of good stuff that you can get yeah, do, yeah, yeah, and beer on tap,
0: but they what? don't bring it to you. They don't. Guy, you don't have like a like a you know remote control in your seat that can that can summon the attendant with. with
1: no, no, no. The attention. whole thing is staffed by. It's that's part of also what's part of makes it charming is it's staffed by your traditional pimply faced teenagers and like special needs people, right? It's like it's all people that like are working at a movie theater because that's where they work, right? And, and it's and I mean I, they do so with with great charm and with excellence, right? But it's like they're not con- they're not like concierge. They're not servers. It's not like a luxury <laughs> experience. It's just that they have behind the counter. They have popcorn, and then they also have some other things that are also good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah.
0: I guess, so. So, God, so I guess I've just gone. I've just gone Hollywood. I, I suppose, right? Like I'm used to like sitting in my you know leather lazy boy recliners and and suffer, uh, you know uh, summoning like uh, you know cup of Ace, cup of Goose, cup of Chris, uh, you know with a with a push of the button.
1: Yeah no no this is an old old school kind of movie theater like an old neighborhood kind of movie.
0: so let's um yeah I mean let me okay so let le- let me talk about it right like a, a couple things I, I have a certain amount of fatigue with with New York getting destroyed with cities getting with cities getting destroyed with uh, metropolises getting destroyed right like and um, I think that like how how did they attempt to raise the stakes on it uh, on it this time well it was a uh, it was a you know a really fancy alien city getting destroyed right like yeah. a, and uh, and it was getting destroyed by something that looked like a magnetic paperweight out of the sharper image catalog uh, right you know? yes. Um so so is that is that better? I, you know I don't know I, th- I think well that I will
1: say right. that if that if Elysium starred Glenn Close and John C Riley as the leaders of Elysium I think it would have been a much better movie and much more watchable because I really loved their utopian space city um, I mean to, to the movie's credit it did put the crazy object on a hammer to sort of at one point to kind of symbolize that it was a weapon right like mm-hmm. to make it clearer and more intuitive for people who were incredulous that something that was spherical could cause damage to a city right um, despite of course really Recent and not so recent historical experience with the dropping of spherical objects onto cities to destroy them, which is something that is done frequently in the real world and is happening currently somewhere, um, right? But and like we've mentioned it before, and John Void has criticized us for it. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, but no, no, I, I see what you mean. That like like clearly the movie doesn't doesn't. The best part of the movie is not the threat that Ronin poses to the good people of Nova City or what have you, right? Like, that is not the good part. That is that is one of the weaker parts of the movie, I would agree with you, except for the fact that Nova City is just so charming as, as like, a futuristic city full of, like, straight-laced uppity people, right, who also kind of have heart. Um, it, it's kind of, but it is also kind of a mockery of cities that are like that in movies that get destroyed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, no, totally. Like, I totally get it. Um, oh, I see. That, You're that saying
0: button. it was saved... It was- It was saved from from being dumb by being ironic.
1: Well, that's what the movie directly addresses. This right, like the movie directly addresses its relationship with irony by having a character in the movie who does not understand metaphor, symbolism, <laughs> and, and I felt like the moment that like really sort of indicted anybody who was be you know, like, well, this movie's trying to get away with being ironic, right? Was was the scene where the spaceship kind of Tokyo drifts through the, it's crashing and the machine guns are going off and it's like blowing up everything inside the alien spaceship and Drax the Destroyer is just like, ha ha ha, yeah. This is awesome. Like the character who's incapable of irony is just thoroughly enjoying himself <laughs> uh, in the in the explosions. Uh, and so I felt like that movie was kind of a nod to this sort of criticism. Like, yes, we're trying to get away with a lot by being ironic, but don't forget that we're also offering you a great deal of unironic spectacle and entertainment while right. we're doing so. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 definitely. Um, sure. But, um, yeah, yeah. Then
0: the the other thing, like, is that. Um, Couldn't you see – so the other thing is couldn't you see a lot of the plot developments coming a mile off? I mean, yeah, sure. Uh, like, Uh, like, Like pretty much all of them you know uh, yeah I and mean, that... it's, a,
1: it's a star wars movie you're supposed to know what happens right I... like it's, it's a star wars clone right um where like they're it's like telling you the story of the fighter jock from who like he doesn't know his family who has special powers and I don't needs know. to get I, together the ragtag group I, I, the
0: thing that's surprising to me in in star wars is uh, i like I, it's been so long since i watched star wars for the first time right like i was a a kid in the single digits, but like. Um, Obi-Wan's sacrifice was was surprising to me mm-hmm. uh, as a kid not that there was not the end right like not when Luke uses the force but like that 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 was the thing I don't know there 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 I mean it's it's it seems like we have sacrificed uh, uh, Profundity for a kind of superficial charm, and i don 't mean the sensory barrage of the of the transformer mm. movies i mean I mean a a better a, a higher quality right a more refined superficial charm than than just just that but that that um we we've sort of given up the the ability to be awed right in exchange for in exchange for the ability to be charmed or the the you know opportunity mm. opportunity to be charmed and that's why you know I don 't know that's why I liked Groot the most that's why I connected yeah. with Groot the most is that Groot was the person who sort of tapped into you know with his mighty roots like digging into the into the the fertile ground of the collective unconscious um, Groot was the one who tapped into the capacity to be sort of awed uh, right and Groot sacrificed was a lot more moving to me than you know star lord 's sacrifice right like in 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 grabbing the the stone uh, which you know you saw coming because right like when it's like you know you don't care about anyone but yourself guy who wants to be called Star Lord you know you need to sacrifice yourself for everyone before you're really worthy of the name Star Lord I'm I'm making up dialogue that didn't exist in the in the film but but might have all right okay I'm done I'm all done right. pooping okay on so I
1: movies. disagree with you pretty much as strongly as possible Good. with regards to your interpretation of this movie let's, let's uh, go
0: let's go fight as befits no, our well, word. There are a
1: lot of movies that give up their capacity. I totally agree that there is a tendency to give up your capacity for being awed in order to appreciate being charmed or being, like, excited, aroused, I would even say. Something about movies that excites you. This – I would also add movies where – the first the, – the, the quintessential example of this, the sort of like patient zero of this is when you're watching Jet Li movies or Steven Seagal movies, right, from back in the 90s, and you see when the shift happens between when they used to show you from a wide-angle shot Steven Seagal fighting a bunch of guys or Jet Li fighting a bunch of guys to when they decided that they were going to pull in real tight and they were only going to show you the impacts of like Steven Seagal's hands on people's hands or Jet Li's feet against people's bodies when they felt like they no longer wanted to show you the breadth of everything that was happening and instead provide you with like a cacophony of specifics part of this is done by necessity because jet lee and steven seagal were getting older and they couldn't do the same things as they were getting older as they could do when they were younger also fight choreography is expensive it's hard to do in a novel way you're trying to do something that's stylistically new right and i feel like this stylistic change inf- has informed much of contemporary action cinema uh, it 's the way that the Transformers movies are made right where it 's like you never really see the whole shape right i call it
0: i call it I call it visual gibberish
1: yeah right? the visual gibberish right where you you 're incapable of comprehending the whole shape of it, and an awe an awe comes from like looking up at the great thing and sort of having it all come into your mind at the same time, right? This experience of awe is, a, is about sort of like comprehending a larger thing than you might think you would regularly be capable of comprehending. It's the feeling of, of a vaster connectiveness. Sure.
0: All thought, right. So right? Pa- pa- pause your point. Two things. Yeah. One, this is why I think Avengers was so successful is that it right. managed to, con- in, in the final battle, right? Like it managed to convey that like sweeping, you know, that sweeping sense. The other thing, like uh, in, in Guardians of the Galaxy, Shout out to the fight choreography. I really liked the the bit of the fight, laying next to each other on the ground, uh, <laughs> punching at each other side to side. That that to me was like really novel and and sort of inventive. I thought that
1: oh, was definitely. Pretty, I, I that mean, and like cool. and they, they threw every cliche in the book in this in this movie. But we'll talk about that later. So can so
0: you know you can, we have yes, there are films where we sacrifice our our ability to be we sacrifice the opportunity to be odd for the opportunity to be charmed or titillated.
1: Yes, but I feel like in this movie there was there were vastnesses in the movie and but i felt like they were bridging a lot of it was bridging the content that was in the movie and the various sources of the content in the movie that connected with it might be possible that part of why you didn't love this movie is that you don't see geek culture this might be related to what we talked about last week where you're like i don't think geek culture exists right like i don't see it as something that exists or um and and while i think that you have a point the other thing is that if you feel like you're part of geek culture, then to that degree it exists for you, even if in sort of like a larger sense it doesn't mean what it used to mean in discourses and in political or powerful discourses. This was a movie that was just soaked in geek culture, and it was – there was just like tons and tons of it. Everything from um, – I mean a good example of this that you might not – that people might not have thought about right, is like, OK, well, you got, you got Star-Lord, and he's, uh, he's with this green woman right? So you have Star-Lord who's been making out with aliens in the past, and most of the movie is about a romance... The, well, a lot of the movies about a romance between Star-Lord and this green alien chick which is like a total Captain Kirk reference right like it's like and then you have um, the, the, I mean even more more basic ones like, well, like more sort of like motif ones which is when the, the Nova Corps goes up in the sky and spreads out into this geometric pattern to create a blockade against the enemy right as the enemy is coming down to the city that visuals from the last starfighter right and then when Rocky Raccoon jumps down and is shooting up into the sky right you go from the last starfighter to like sort of space commit Space Invader's Missile Command, right? And then you have – and, and the, really the thing – I think really the thing that just pulls this all together is that you have all these like vast geek culture cliches and references and jokes that are happening. And then it's the soundtrack, right? It, to me, the, the awe – a lot of the awe is rooted in the soundtrack and what the soundtrack of the movie represents. What does – the awe is in the awesome mix, right the awesome mix mix because that's where the awe is in the movie right and and like the awesomeness about star Lord's sacrifice is not that he tries to grab the infinity stone it's that he's out he's like he's dancing to the ooh child song right which is given to him on the cassette tape from his dead mom but you know well what does that song mean to you as a cinema viewer matt
0: the uh Oh God! There's probably a reference that's not coming to mind now, right?
1: I mean, there's a really obvious scene that it recalls to me, which is the scene in Boys in the Hood when uh, when Lawrence Fishburne is driving with young, you know, with young uh, uh Gooding Jr.'s character and is playing that song and singing along to it, and they're they're hoping for the future as uh, as he gets out of the ghetto, right? right. Uh, and, and the future and the the future that these parents have worked hard for, and that of course they end up, you know, sort of. Re- sort of managing to succeed at but only at great and terrible cost right and so the idea that like this moment where Star-Lord is dancing in front of uh, in front of uh, Ronan right you've got you've got a connection first to Kevin Bacon in Footloose which he's been referencing hilariously through the movie and you've got a reference to Lawrence Fishburne in Boys in the Hood that is happening right and you have the fact that this is all, in itself it's, it's wonderful music that conjures great feeling that is of a is also of this level where it's, it's funny but it's also sincere The songs are terribly earnest about really strong personal feelings, except for Cherry Bomb, which I felt like felt a little bit out of place. Um,
0: Yeah, it did feel a little bit out of place. Yeah.
1: Like most of the songs in the Awesome Mix are professions of emotion. Right. Like you've got, you've got, uh, you've got Hooked on a Feeling. Um, you've got, where are the other, I got, I want to like find a, a full list of them. <laughs> uh, of, of the Lost. songs. Yeah.
0: You can probably, you can probably buy the soundtrack or get it on Spotify or. I
1: hope so. If they're not like selling that. the Awesome Mix Volume 1 and the Awesome Mix Volume 2 on Spotify, they are screwing up. Right. Hooked and
0: like, 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 so I'm just.
1: Not, yeah. Coming at your love. The, the Pina Colada song, I guess. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh Child by the five star Show. Ain't no mountain high enough. I want you back, right? Although yeah, it's like it's like these are all like love songs and songs about, you know Coming together, and then the idea that it's like this is what's been this is what's been given forward from the generation that's died before. Like to me, seeing all these things, feeling all these different references that are all happening to all things that I also have strong feelings about, and then watching this person just totally like helplessly and vulnerably dancing in front of the monster, right, and dancing in front of death, you know, with with utter disregard for his safety. Like for me, that's like a really powerful moment. Uh, you know, I, that struck me with awe, and and because it it also maybe maybe you feel more hopeful against the world than some of us. Maybe that's part of it. Like, I tend to get really choked up in movies whenever there's a scene where, like, somebody who got forgotten, like, sort of comes back, right? Like, someone, someone who's been forgotten, uh... Or like a character, you think that a character has been abandoned, but then someone else comes back for that character who you thought had abandoned them, right? Like because of whatever is going on in my like mental, in my like firing synapses up there, those kind of moments really tend to get me, right? Like you know, like the 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 car, the space car leaping over the chasm in Armageddon to go save the day, right? It's like they've come back, you know, like they're real heroes. They've come back. The Russian has actualized himself, right? (laughs) Uh, And this is part of yeah.
0: I get I, you see the thing the thing that that gets a little dusty for me in the movie theater right is 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 slightly different right like it's it's a character sort of unable to come to terms with like an implacable fate and and resorting to begging in the face of it even though it won't do any good so like I got choked up in the in the movie uh, in the first scene right where they where like mom is dying right mom has cancer and is is dying and you know uh, yeah, our young hero is like uncomprehending and doesn't want his mom to die and sort of doesn't know doesn't know what to do and I sort of I don't know like I I sort of uh like I I like do that mental monologue in in my head of like you know I've okay I'll brush my teeth as long as you don't die of cancer I'll never you know not floss again yeah. you know what I mean and like just the yeah. way the way that you know helpless characters can feel like they can bargain uh with an indifferent with an indifferent fate. Um, and those are the, right, the, those are the moments, uh, right? And that's a, a I don't want to call it a more profound, because it's, it's not a more profound, but that's a different order of, yes. uh, that's a different order of conflict than than what this what this film presents. And I, I don't think one is better, I think, or one is worse. I think that there have to be, I mean, right, there have to be a lot of, uh, there have to be a lot of ways to make dudes cry in movies, because dudes don't, you know, get a chance to cry a lot, culturally. Um, so, I cry all
1: the time i cry we, at the drop of a hat it's ridiculous we need
0: uh <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, I want some um I once was in an acting class, and a fellow actor expressed some annoyance with me that he was like he wished he could cry the way I could in scenes where you know the character is moved and is supposed to cry, or you know it seems it seems uh, uh, you know like a organic orga- organic thing to happen. And and for me, I, I usually would in the acting class. And this this other actor, this friend of mine, was like, I I can't cry, I hate it. Why do you, why do, you do? And I was like, No, no, dude, it's really annoying. It's not like you can just. Turn the waterworks <laughs> on and off at will. Either you're a big crier in life or, yeah. Yeah. Uh, or you're not. And I, I confess that I am. But 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 I, I actually like I even wanna I even wanna take a, a step back from that because I think it's not you know, as as our our common great teacher, John Hollander. Uh, once said in in a class i was in with him um it's not hard to uh it's not hard to make an audience cry he was talking about poetry yep. or, or short story writing right it's not hard to like really move people right you reunite the little boy with the dog there won't be a dry yeah. eye in the house you know um that's not that's not the remarkable that's not sort of the remarkable thing right like the, the remarkable thing for him and i'm not sure i agree with this to to as great an extent as he believed it but like but i see his point the the remarkable thing is the, is the craft and i want to talk i want to talk a little bit about the the point that you're making um with the craft because i think you're right on about the the range of reference and the the like the the almost unbelievable web of reference and the way that it kind of comes to a head in certain moments where like several strands at once will come and like you know tighten around a tighten around a particular moment um and that, like you know, they are the geek culture pieces. That these are two sort of properties that were not at the time sort of mainstream properties. You, you had to be sort of uh, you had to be having a certain experience in order to to have them. And you know the people the people who had that experience are being um, are being serviced, not serviced that makes it sound cheap, are, are being addressed. Right, uh, their experience is being is being acknowledged by by this film by by doing all those things. And and I I agree. But here's the thing, does this film create, and and I'm being, I'm being a dick, right? Like I'm playing devil's advocate in order so that we can have a conversation, right? But, but I also think this a little bit, right? Like, does this movie add to the sum total of... Material that can be referenced, or is it just that, like, sort of postmodern? It's all reference. There is no, you know, there is no center. Uh, you know, you fantasize about a uh, about a signifier that escapes uh, structurality, uh, the origin and the end of the game. You know, um, and and it just doesn't exist. And it's all this sort of web with no with no center to it. Or, or would it be possible? Uh, in, in some future you know twenty years down the line to make to make references to this film uh, that aren 't references to um, that aren 't references to the the source properties that that this film draws from right like are we are we just cannibalizing the past or are we creating new past for the future
1: I think there 's a couple ways I think, that, I think that the movie does have some stuff in there now the question then arises, well, where does it all come from? Right. Um, to take kind of like a, a little bit of a sort of Downton Abbey moment as we talk about in our TV recaps, the movie I, – I like to see the, 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 the tape – as the as a symbol for the movie, which is that this is a movie where it's all of these things that our parents have loved, and they're passing it forward to the next generation, right? It's like, hey, I watched all these movies. I saw all this stuff when I was a kid. I thought it was totally the best. I am making this for you, future generations, so that you can watch it. I know that you can't really – watch han solo the way i watched han solo right but you can watch star lord and you can understand star lord and there's something of the han solo that i love that's in star lord and i'm kind of passing it forward that said there are other sources for uh for humor and for interest in this movie like i think like the gag where the guy is like putting the finger across his throat is something that you could reference uh-huh uh, you know like i think that um uh I mean, Gru, Gru, I think I think you're right to connect with Groot more than with the other characters. I think he's the most kind of groundbreaking character in this piece, just because he's so sincere and and he's so he just has this sort of generative and benevolent relationship with things around him, while also being very violent. Um, I think you could do. I mean, anything that juxtaposes. I think the juxtaposition of the music is huge for this movie. Um, I think that you could see like a movie, another any other movie that plays like you know. You know, 70s, you know, 70s flower rock or whatever, while a, a space commander walks down a spaceship is going to recall this movie. Um, I think mo- – I think. well, what are you doing by enlarging? I, I, I also think that Drax the Destroyer's character, uh, while not necessarily original, uh, I mean he felt – a little bit more like an, he felt like he was more emerging about from emerging from commentary on what the movie was doing to itself rather than from anterior sources that provided similar characters. Like he shows up and you sort of expect him to be a Hulk character and he's very much not. He's kind of frustrated he's, he's a surprising in the sense that he isn't what you thought he would be. You thought he would be sort of inarticulate and you thought he would be kind of a bruiser and he is very violent and very angry but you know, he, he is actually fairly erudite in the way that he talks. Right, And, that, and there's a there that's kind of interesting um and i mean you know the raccoon is interesting the fact that it's an actual animal i mean you can certainly make jokes about that um but yeah, I mean, like not, you, the easy answer is well, and it they do. I thought it was a very yeah. good
0: moment of voice acting from from Bradley Cooper yeah, when when that, that, when yeah. Rocket finally loses it and is like, yeah. you know, dudes, cut it out with the vermin thing already. Yeah. That, that yeah. really hurts my feelings. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, <laughs> I don't think anything in the Gamora plot is too original. I felt like that character was kind of like, eh you know it wasn't that it wasn't that interesting i mean more interesting than most female plots in action movies are from female parts in action movies are but like i didn't think she got to do anything too interesting just because the the thing with her sister was something that's been kind of trod over a lot um, i mean it was interesting that they both wanted to kill their father right and th- there was a twist i felt like the other sister the other daughter of thanos was the more interesting character and the more inter- certainly the more interesting character design the more inter- mo- the, probably the most interesting character to look at in the movie even maybe including Groot was the other sister, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. Yeah. And, and the way like, uh, when she like realigned herself after yeah, that, yeah. down, that was, that was, uh, uh, that was pretty compelling.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. The way her face was sort of all warped and then became sort of, you know, perfect and and beautiful in its horrible way with her black eyes, right, and her ruthlessness. Um, I definitely think the villain was just, like, a total... He was a great example of a total throwaway villain, but he was there to be a total throwaway villain, right? Like, they couldn't roll out the big guys for this one. They couldn't throw out actual Thanos, but they didn't make him threatening enough for the sake of this movie. But he's not supposed to be a guy that we give a crap about in the future, I think. Um, I mean, who did he remind me most of? He reminded me most of... um, that G.I. Joe character who can change his shape. Huh. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, which is... Uh, oh, gosh. Zartan. If you look at Zartan, he looks kind of like... Uh-huh. We should put a picture of Zartan in the show notes because that's kind of who Ronan looks the most like. And it's kind of an inappropriate uh, – it's an inappropriate uh, symbolism. Uh, it's, it's, in a, it's like he's not at all like Zartan, the character. He just happens to look a lot like Zartan. Um, and he looks like very much like a sort of generic 80s science fiction villain, uh, although he is charged with enough menace to hold the movie together, I suppose. The idea that he's not supposed to touch the ground. I felt like they could have owned up to that a little bit better. Um, they could have like done something more to stop him from physically touching the ground after establishing that that's something that they – that he wasn't supposed to do. Right. The fact that he had to make a dramatic speech and then be distracted, it was a good moment. I liked it, but I was sort of expecting it to go another way. Yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, that in the sort of he felt a little bit underversy from like the Chronicles of Riddick, which is pretty stupid. <laughs> I love the Chronicles of Riddick, but I feel like it it shouldn't be referenced. It's probably not being referenced in this movie, uh, except for Vin Diesel's attachment, perhaps, uh, to both this movie and to that property.
0: Uh, Dave Bautista um, also, right? He like,
1: was so good. He Dave Bautista was so good in this movie, and yeah. I didn't expect him to be good at all. I expected him to be terrible.
0: No, no really, like because like when I when I associate when I think of like what I thought of that character, like it was very soul and and yeah. seemed very you know seemed very seemed very grounded like it was it, it was a really good a accom- good accomplishment i think for an actor
1: i think the, the acting was actually really solid in this movie I yeah
0: think was- and and with less i mean like it's the sort of strategy is that it's less well known people right they learned their lesson with Robert Downey jr having them over a barrel and able to extort huge uh you know eight figure paychecks out of them <laughs> yeah,
1: um, yeah yeah that
0: you have like the biggest what the biggest star. Or the, what, the most, I guess the biggest star is Vin Diesel and he doesn't appear on screen, but like the biggest star, I don't know, Zoe Saldana, like, uh, she's in, uh, three huge franchises now. Amazing. Um, uh, never hear, never see pictures of her on Ibiza, right? Like, no, is, she, is no. she in the celebrity press? I, I don't look at the celebrity press. I guess it's just the things that bubble up into my consciousness that that I see. But like, I guess she she's too
1: really. She showed up. She there's a great piece in her by Time, on Time Magazine, uh, or it's an interview with her in Time Magazine, um, I believe. Is it or it's or it's? She's uh, too
0: busy. Yeah, she's too busy working to be me messing yeah, yeah. around like that. Like,
1: well, yeah, she talks about how space is a better place for actresses to find roles, huh? Because in outer space, you can actually have a character. Whereas on Earth, women aren't allowed to have characters. Sure, uh, and the, I guess the answer to that is, well, yes, but in space, you get to have a character, as so always, Eldon but you're in all the movies, uh, yeah. So nobody else gets to have one.
0: Yeah, I don't know, yeah, and I, I don't, mean, don't. like, I I kind of take issue with that, right? Like, to to what extent was she a character in this? You yeah, know, in a, you know, it's you know, right? Like here, she's she's a foil for Star Lord in Star Trek. She's a spoil. She's a foil for Spock, and in the other one, she's Pocahontas in the blue one, the blue cat cat boobs and in cat boobs, cat boobs express she's Pocahontas um, like, I want
1: to fill out the whole rainbow I want to see Zoe Saldana in every color
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, can we call Star Trek red because of the red uniform
1: <laughs> yeah sure of course, of course.
0: Can, we give, can we give that one to her my point was that like um, maybe Benicio del Toro, but like Glenn Close and John C. Riley in these kind of in these supporting roles are the you know most storied like uh, good actors in the movie. Yeah. right.
1: Josh Brolin is in the movie as I mentioned, though he's uncredited as uh, as Thanos, the Mad Titan. I first I thought it was the guy from Night Court and from The Hundred Good Deeds of Eddie McDowd. What's that guy's name? Rich, Richard, it...
0: Richard Mall.
1: Yeah, I thought it was Richard Mall at first, but it was not Richard Mall. It was, in fact, Josh uh, Josh uh, Josh Groban. No, Josh Bro. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was clearly. It was clearly Josh Groban playing his sweet dulcet t- tones. Um, but yeah, I mean, what did you? As somebody who who doesn't know the the lore as much, what did you Richard think of Mall?
0: Richard Mall is working definitely, right? Like, oh yeah,
1: he does lots a, of children's stuff. He does lots of kids stuff.
0: I'm going to put a link to uh, Richard Mall's. Uh... Uh, IMDB page because uh, I watched a lot of Night Court when I was a kid. I, I bring yeah. it up from time to time, and I uh, it's totally inappropriate. And I remember Richard Maul being a sort of benevolent, uh, caretaking kind of policeman figure as a bailiff in the court.
1: Yep, uh, I, I think I think Richard Maul would qualify as a as an a- actor that Overthinking it likes because he's an actor that works. You can see him in uh, coming up. What this year he came out in uh, what the movie Razor. Which is uh is what is this about? Hypocrisy rules, killer laughs, starring Fonzie. <laughs> oh, oh good lord, that looks like a nightmare. Oh my goodness. Voodoo yeah. Vision and Voodoo Scope. What
0: did I think oh. of of what did I think of Thanos? It's well he's yeah. gonna be like uh He's going to be the big bad in old, in Age of Ultron, isn't he?
1: Oh, is he or is is Ultron going to oh, be Oh, it's big Ultron, bad?
0: of course he's, Ultron will be. He's going
1: to be the big bad in like Avengers 3, I would think, unless they're really going to rush it. But my sense is that they're aiming for a big climax in the third Avengers movie, I guess, cuz the Ultron story doesn't really have much to do with Thanos.
0: Huh.
1: Um, I don't think so. I mean, unless they change it. Right. But uh but yeah, it's uh, I think they got to do one more setup, one more. Um.
0: (laughs) okay yeah and then then sometime around 2020 we'll uh, we'll yeah
1: right as Robert Downey Jr. is ready to retire they'll do the last one I guess so Uh, but yeah or maybe not I don't know he's gonna be played by James Spader though Ultron which is pretty sweet
0: that's cool Um,
1: yeah 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 they got to save the big guns, but yeah, Thanos is the big bad. Although I thought he looked a little bit less cartoonish than he did in the after credit scene. Oh, the after credit scene! Oh my god! Oh my god! Most surprising after credit scene! Oh my god! This totally did you did you see this? Did yeah. you see what I saw in the sta- after credit I scene? I stayed
0: through. The, I stayed through the whole thing. Describe it for people in case. They did you did.
1: describe it just in case you if you didn't see it if you didn't see this movie and you're listening to this podcast you're doing yourself a grave disservice. You should go watch this movie, uh, and this is your last chance to not hear what happens in the. In the after credit
0: scene with, in the after credit with Howard scene, Howard the Duck, right? Like
1: yes, the return of Howard the Duck to cinema. One of the most maligned figures in film history, uh, and also, of course, as is not necessarily always known, a Marvel Comics character. Yeah, right. Howard the Duck appears in the Avengers uh, continuity, uh, drinking a, a martini of some kind, like a space martini, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you let him lick you like that? It's co- gross, right?
0: Exactly. Well, the cos- cosmonaut dog licks Benicio Del yeah. Toro.
1: I mean, that, that is such a reflection of how this movie exists in dialogue with other movies because we're used to staying for the after-credits scene to see something of great importance and great consequence.
0: Yeah, that's for, why, like, right. Right, yeah. like the first appearance of Nick Fury, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. The big—that's the big—that's the big—the uh, one that set the standard is. Oh, Samuel L. Jackson is in the movie, but only after the credits. Like that's huge. Um, I would venture to say Howard the Duck was an even bigger surprise than Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> but he's of course that—that that, more than anything is a moment of bathos, right? Like where it's like, oh, we got to see the big build-up. We got to see the big thing. Howard the Duck, you know, did I do that? I mean, for those of you who are a little bit too young to remember, uh, even though Howard the Duck has his sort of own uh, has his own kind of like place in the Marvel Comics universe, and he's always been a very sort of niche character, not something that most comic readers are really familiar with, but, you know, if you have an encyclopedic knowledge of comics, you know he exists. But way back in 1986, he was in a movie that is widely derided, and certainly was widely derided, like, at the time, and for the near term thereafter, as just one of the most confusing just i don't like to use the word abortion a lot for a movie but that would be the move the word that i would use for the movie if i were a little bit more comfortable using that word for a movie but you won't Um, you won't you won't i won't use it i won't use it you won't even say Um, it it's uh, written and directed by Willard Hyuk, or Huyck, who also did Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, and he was nominated for an Oscar uh, for writing American Graffiti. So it's a, it's a George Lucas movie is what it is, and it's just a huge colossal disaster of a George Lucas movie starring uh, Leah Thompson. Um, as the love interest of the overly sexy kind of anim like costume muppet kind of character he looks like a disney disney like walt disney world character guy with like a big mask and a and like sort of slightly animatronic face um and uh and yeah it's just like it's just ridiculous it's just totally ridiculous um and and it's just it's just way before it's time uh in a way that just is not worth Really, re pursuing so people thought, of course, the Howard the Duck was—he was a joke. He was never going to be in another movie ever, and that he would be in one of these movies just as a total surprise um, is is very shocking and very surprising. And I, I don't know—I don't have much more to say about it other than like, it, are they going to put him into the next movie? It seems like they have to throw him in there with the with the Cosmic Dog, right? With Cosmo the Wonder pup or what have you. Um, who I believe—I uh, don't know what—I gotta look up his name. Oh, Cosmo Dog. Um, but I believe that uh Cosmo the dog when he's in comics uh talks in a russian accent um because like as in like you know as in like in english lettering but with like a sort of natasha boris and natasha esque russian accent
0: <laughs> um
1: and in the comic continuity he is the uh he's a psychic he has psychic powers he's he's telepathic and he ends up being the chief administrator of that mining colony <laughs> 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 but yeah uh yeah yeah, Cos- here's one. There's a frame here. Uh, Cosmo, like you, you refer to self in third person too, is good. Cosmo wants to talk to you about what might have been, <laughs> right? Um, that's him and the Silver Surfer talking to each other. Uh, but anyway, I don't know. Were you, were you not like totally thrown out of your seat by the, by the Howard the Duck cameo? I,
0: I thought it – no, no, no. I thought it was – I mean thrown out of my seat might be a little strong, but I really laughed and I thought it was very yeah. charming.
1: Yeah, definitely. Oh, there you go. There's your there's your damning with faint praise with that charming again. I am not going to say that it was awesome, but I thought that it definitely. I agree with you that it was charming. Definitely. I mean, is there is there anything else to say about this movie? I, we run I, our full hour on
0: probably it? many of uh, probably yeah. many many things, but we should I think leave them to listeners to say in the comments on the show notes for this episode. Uh, yeah, I think so. Or or they can email the email that no one ever emails, which is podcasted dot com. Or uh call the phone number that no one ever calls, which is 203-285-6401. Call or text if you are too busy to call. You can text. Yeah, 203- text, us. 2- we'll text
1: us. Just text us. No,
0: don't don't. Oh god, no. I shouldn't
1: even mention that. Edit that out. Bleep it.
0: E- e- email pe- email Pete <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're um Yes, uh, we're going to be back with more uh, It's actually, I mean, it's funny After making a big deal about how we didn't want to uh, Watch any of the movies this summer Right, like, I feel like there's been a There's been a run of movies that We're we're at least going to see Right. Yes. <laughs>
1: this, this was the run I mean, between this and Hercules Right, like, uh, like this is the This is, the moment. This, well, is a- <laughs> the moment this is the day And you know what's coming up next week?
0: Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles
1: Boom, which I think will probably attempt to do what Guardians of the Galaxy did and fail. I think (laughs) Teenage Ninja Turtles is almost certainly the Dante's peak to the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy's volcano. That's
0: interesting. That'll be – I'll be very interested to test that hypothesis next week. And then uh, you know what's coming the following week. I mean you've probably seen it because it leaked online, but – uh, little-
1: oh, and it's happening on my birthday oh. So I encourage everyone to go See it on my birthday Like I'm going to be seeing it on my birthday <laughs> August 15th Ladies and gentlemen The first one was okay and a wonderful beautiful experiment The second one was a joy to behold And, and a thing of beauty is a joy forever And the third one uh, Shall attend us soon and, and make its place among the stars Yes We're talking about The Expendables 3 <laughs> Yeah which did us the great and mature courtesy of not putting a d after the 3 in the name of the movie
0: <laughs>
1: although you be the judge as to whether that is in fact a service or a disservice i've seen it <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like uh, you know, there's a bunch of movies. I'm, I'm really stoked to, uh, stoked to see. Stoked is maybe the wrong word for the, for the Ninja Turtles, but I will, I will yeah. see the Ninja Turtles.
1: There is a strange malaise around that movie that I think we'll also discuss next week. A
0: specter, specter is haunting overthinking yes. it.
1: A flutter of foreboding as. It was.
0: <laughs> Uh, all right. We'll be back next week for more Overthinking It podcast. Until then, you can visit us on the web at Overthinking It, where we subject popular culture to a level of scrutiny. It probably, it probably doesn't, doesn't deserve
1: We've talked about a couple cool pop culture gatherings that have been going on. Big shout out to my boys out at the Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, the biggest one in the world happening this week. Uh, big shout out to my boys who were over there getting their pictures taken with the DS9 crew, uh, making them laugh, you know, being charmers, uh, you know, drinking that Romulan ale, living the life, right? Uh, it's the best of both worlds, people. Best of both worlds.
0: <laughs> Shout to all my Star Trek boys Shout, shout, shout Shout, shout,
1: shout, shout,
0: shout to all my Star Trek boys Shout, 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 shout. shout to all my Star Trek boys shout, 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 There are four lights <laughs> <laughs>